Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Resource Room Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. And I know my guests are going to get so many gold nuggets of information from you because you're full of them. I know it. So let's start off with having you just tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you teach? How long have you been at it? So that my guests know a little bit about you. Um, my name is Michelle Odin, and um, this is my fourth year as a resource teacher. And truth be known, I've not had a normal school year since I started this um, being a special ed teacher. I have been a substitute teacher before that. I've done pre-K. I've taught pre-K. I've been a pre-K assistant. Um, I've done pull-out reading groups. Um, so I've had a lot of experience with teaching children with uh, special needs, um, especially in literacy. Okay. One of the things that you and I were talking about was how you use a lot of different strategies to help students really retain information for the long term. So can you tell us a little bit about that? We may even have to break down some of these strategies, but how do you help your kids maintain some of that knowledge for long periods of time? Because that's definitely a weakness in students with disabilities. Yes. One of the main things is to get to know your individual student. Get to know um, how they learn best, what they love. Um, one year I had a kid that loved Pokemon and he that was last year, he was virtual only. So I brought in things that were Pokemon um, so that he would try to complete his work. Not saying that was completely um, successful, but I tried. At least he came to some of my Google Meets, you know, halfway through the year when before. One of the main things that I use, though, is whole brain teaching. And if you're not familiar with that, I, and I am not a, I'm not affiliated with it, I don't get it. <laughs> I'm not sponsored by whole brain teaching, um, but it is huge, huge positive impact in my children, in my teaching. And what it is mainly is putting actions to everything. Um, my kids know now the difference between a phoneme and a grapheme just because we use it daily and we use like for example we say a phoneme is the sound and the grapheme is what we write it's what we see it's what we write it's the lettered name so it's putting those actions to everything we do it for math we call them it's called brainies um and we'll do like five plus five equals ten it's anything to get as you know a lot of the children that come to us they can't sit still. Um, and truth be known, I think I have may be ADHD. <laughs> well, not diagnosed. The more I learn about it, because I'm not good with sitting still. Um, but the kids really are very much engaged when you get them out of their seats. And even those that are older and they go, oh, once they get into it, they really, really thrive from that. Um, I've had kids like 
For example, I have a child that came to me that January that COVID hit in March when we were virtual the rest of school year. And she had not grown, had not grown, had not grown. And because of all the things that I've put into place using visuals, using sand, using um, any kind of sensory things, I've used poppets this year. Um, which took me a long time to get into because <laughs> they can go one way or the other, depending on your children. You have to be very, very systematic with your approach and make sure that they know that they're a tool, not a toy. Um, but this child went, um, if you're familiar with the quick phonics screener, um, she got all the way to the R controlled vowels, which she sounded them out and had some of those which she had been very hard at blending CBC words together. So it just, it just proves um, the visuals. I also have made like some phonics mats that have, and Amanda, if you're okay with me sharing those on your Facebook page, I can share it where others can print them off. They have, they're, um, they're themed and they have like the line at the top and they have, for example, like they have my Bitmoji on it which people can, you know, edit that out if they want, but it has my Bitmoji on it. And then it has like three little hearts or four little hearts, depending on, you know, how many phonemes, how many sounds are in the word. And we have like little manipulatives and of course theme too, because it's important for our kids to, you may be working on the same skill for a long time. So to keep them engaged, we want to change it up and make sure that they're, you know, they have something different to look forward to. So I have pointers, um, mixer, dr the drink mixers, you can get them on Amazon and there's different kinds. You can also, I've made them and I wish I hadn't have taken them to school because I could show you, but I made some just taking like visuals, you know, like clip art and making it small enough, printing it off, laminating it and putting it on a popsicle stick. Um, and I've just made those. So we'll see how engaging those are for my children. But um, the phonics mats, we basically go through, you know, and I'll play like guess my work because that's really good for vocabulary as well. So I'll say like, I'm thinking of a word and I'll go through it and they'll say, they'll say the word and we'll sound it out. And then we'll, you know, I tell them you can either tap it with your fingers or you can pop it as your choice. It's always a choice, but we have to do it one way or the other because that's sensory, you know, and then we move the manipulative um, and they sound out the words so if it's like for example you know moth we would say ah you know and then we'd say okay now we're going to listen for those phonemes and we're going to uh, write the graphemes and they know exactly what i mean because we use it systematically it's very important that when we're teaching anything that it's systematic and that it's engaging so if you want me to share those mats and um, some of those things that i've created for the so that others can use those, I'd be happy to. Yes, absolutely. And um, I can link those in the show notes. And then we can also share that in the resource room Facebook group, both places. That way people can kind of get it in whatever way or platform is easiest for them. Um, I thought everybody and their brother used Facebook, but I get emails all the time and I'm like, oh, I can't access this because I don't have Facebook. So yes, we can put it in the show notes so people can get it, but we can also put it on Facebook for those who, you know, that's where they're at all the time. So I think that would be wonderful. So maybe since we're going to share that with others, what do you feel the advantage of using those phonics mats? What do you, how do you think that helps them so much? 
it's the visuals um, being able and to be able to push um, and like I said changing it up months to month like you know which is I pulled out the Valentine's ones you can get like little in the at Hobby Lobby and maybe I don't live by Michael's I wish I did um, we have Joanne Fabrics and Hobby Lobby <laughs> but they're like if you look in the decorating part there's these little plastic 3d kind of things and they have heart ones at Hobby Lobby right now and I got like honestly there was red and clear ones which I didn't know there were lips in there so I threw those out because I was like that's not appropriate for kids but this was clear plastic you know little things for them to to manipulate it just helps them to be able to take because a lot of times I've noticed if we just say it you know they're not going to keep it um, in in their memory and it's very important that you do it the same way every time because then the kids know and then they get to where they can teach the lesson. I have kids that, okay, Ms. Oden, I got it. <laughs> I know how to do this. Can I teach it now? <laughs> it just helps them, you know, just making sure that you're doing it the same way. And when they have visuals, you're, you've got that visual, you've got, you know, the fine motor, they're writing. And some of my kids, as I'm sure some you've had kid, students or do now that have trouble with writing. And so we work on that as well. It just helps them incorporate all of that. Yeah, it really does bring so many senses together so that they're really practicing and, and engaging in all of those different ways. I think that's wonderful. When you talk about what you're buying at Hobby Lobby or Michael's, is that what you were saying earlier is like a drink mixer? Like I, you would just put it in your drink to stir? I got those on Amazon. Okay, okay. Well, so then what... I found heart ones um, for Valentine's Day. I found some for St. Patrick's Day. Um, I, of course, I could find these for Dr. Seuss, so those are the ones that I made. And as you know, you know me very well, I love hedgehogs, so I made some with hedgehogs on them. Um, but I, <laughs> I found some winter ones that were um, the um, kind of thing, snowflakes. They're red and white snowflakes. Um, and then I found some like star sparkly little star they're all plastic um i've looked at little star pointers like for the teacher ones and they are so expensive but they're not very expensive on amazon and then the yeah. ones that you make i mean i i used finally got my craft room all together and found everything so like now what can i use these popsicle sticks for um and then along with that is i've created also some um some other phonics things to use with my kids um, I'm sure you're, you, you've seen the, the vowel um, sticks. Well, I wanted consonant and consonant digress because, you know, our kids need those visuals. Um, and so I made some. So I can share those as well if you want. Yes, that's wonderful. I love really, this is one reason I love you. Since the day I first met you or you were coming into the Facebook group sharing things, you really do like my kids need this. And two days later, you've got it. Or, you know, it's like, we need to work on this give it a week. And Michelle has three things created to help with that. So, which I love. Always about the main thing really is knowing your kids and just, you know, allowing your creative juices to flow, which I just love about being a special ed resource teacher because we aren't bound. I mean, we do, I, I'm supposed to be teaching to the curriculum, but the thing is, if my kid, if our kids don't have that, the basic phonics skills, and the reading comprehension skills, the rest of it, 
you know, they have to have that before they can really flourish in the classroom, which this year absolutely they're in the classroom more and I see the growth. So I think it's very important that we work with the teachers. Um, and now our, my, our teachers weren't really, they, it was like, you know, they sent them to us and like, they're not our, you know, they're not our, our kids. They love them. Just say, you know, they couldn't reach them. They're like, they're yours. Now you're responsible for all their learning. <laughs> and now they're making it to where they have to teach. And I'm not saying all, all teachers were like that, but there were some. And now I see the growth so much. So being able to really work with the teachers and explain to them that, you know, and having that admin support that they need to pull them in their groups as well. Um, and they need that grade level curriculum along with, and us being the support is huge in keeping uh, that growth going. Yes, definitely. Um, using your phonics the little sticks that you were talking about. I was also thinking those sticks would be also perfect to practice tracking because so many of our students also really struggle with tracking. Yeah. So then it is seasonal and you're literally doing another reason that I love that is you are doing the same skill, but because now they have a heart instead of a snowflake, it feels really special or it feels really great. I know sometimes when I pass out my reading books, I'll say, we have a brand new book this week and they're excited. And it's like, guys, we're literally going to do the same thing we do every other week, <laughs> but they're excited because it's something new and different. So I love that. The idea is the same. You're not retraining them. You're not even explaining probably what to do. It's just, guess what? We have new sticks and new mats today. And then you can just roll with it. Exactly. It's just anything. I found that our kids, and the reason why I got the pointers and and honestly, I got the idea for the pointers from um, our school this this year. Um, got new reading a new reading teacher exclusively because of COVID. Um, and now she's an ALE teacher, and my good friend there is now the reading teacher. Like you said, you know what we were talking about earlier, covering classes and everything. I feel that yes, to pull her groups or anything, but. But anyway, she was like, I love, you know, I found these and I'm like, oh, great. She's like, just like you and I clicked, we clicked. She's like, I'm, now I've got all this stuff. But you I know. just love it because my kids would not point. They would not point to their, you know, to the letters and sound out the words. Um, and so any way to get them to do that, you know, it's like, if you're not going to use it, it's either you use the pointer or you use your finger. One, you have the choice. You know, and, yeah. thing is and the pointer is so much more cool. <laughs> Even my fourth graders that come to me and like those. So, <laughs> yeah, that's what I think. My kids, even it doesn't matter what it is, like witch's fingers, or I have these ones that look like drumsticks. I actually bought them from the book fair. And so they're like, you know, maybe eight inches tall or something. And it's a drumstick. My boys okay. especially love those. I don't care what you want to use. Just pick something to point and follow along. Maybe you want to use your marker or whatever, but just have something. And so I think you're right. It just engages them and really even just sometimes makes them have a purpose and a reason to focus. Exactly. Which is hard for a lot of our kids. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, do you have any other favorite things that you use for multi to kind of engage multiple senses? 
every day. And sometimes I use shaving cream. I haven't done that in a while. Um, because sometimes, you know, my sinuses my kids ask me, Are we gonna do shaving cream? It's Friday. <laughs> like usually it's Friday, you know. But shaving cream, sand sometimes. Um, and there's all kinds of other things that, you know, you can research and and make. I haven't gotten that far yet. But really the whole brain teaching really helps incorporate that. I know I've said that a, a whole lot and I've said that on your Facebook group all the time, but Chris Biffle, whole brain teaching, um, he has color writing. There's a new color writing book that he's published and it just is absolutely wonderful. I've also created, of course, <laughs> created some things to go along with that. I use my Promethean board a lot, which I'm excited. I'm going to get one on the wall. Finally, I have this big ginormous one that wheels around <laughs> just like really can't wheel around because it's ginormous um, yeah but it takes up so much space but i use like spin the wheel games um i've done a lot as you know i've made a lot of things on google slides that are interactive um and just bringing all of that in we use spire phonics um any kind of curriculum we use phonics first and then now for special ed we aspire and it's a great program but as you know, our kids need a lot of supplement, like three lessons through, it's not going to get them to read CBC words um, or know the digraphs or, um, but I have, a, along with um, all the slides that I've created, which again, I can share my link tree because it's, a, it's it, I can, I've got all kinds of things on there and it's not anything where you have to pay me or anything like that. Like there is a lot out there. It's just free for anybody to use because I feel I believe in helping all the children I can. And I know right now everybody is just scrambling to try to find online lessons and in, in class lessons and trying to create the best learning environment that we can. And it's a tiring thing. So if I can share those, I'll happily share those. Yeah, definitely. I think that'll be wonderful. Um, what impacts do you see whole brain teaching having on what you're doing? Um, how, how has that changed your teaching? It's definitely um, kept the children engaged because my kids don't sit at all. Like the only time they sit is when I have to put on the computer when I'm doing progress monitoring. Something called a super improver wall, which I absolutely loathe clip charts. I absolutely loathe the color system, um, which my school, my the primary school uses, you know, change the color. Um, I just, because I'm sped, you know, get to do what is, I, I am blessed with admin that supports me both at the elementary and uh, primary. So I'm able to, you know, put in whatever behavior system and really and truly it focuses on, they encourage you any growth. So it could be, you know, a student that just melts down every time there's a challenge, you know, and so being able to, you know, positively look at the challenge and work towards, you know, mastery of that challenge, just, you know, it looks at more at not academic, but that social emotional behavior. So following the rules, you know, um, and especially for those kids that, that may follow the rules all the time in their classroom and they come to, you know, your room, 
and you've got the, you know, they go up on that super improver wall and then you can work on academics. Um, they get to where they know that, oh, can I, because they earn stars on a card and then they move up on the wall and then they get little trading cards. And Chris Biffle has so many ideas that I can't implement them all because <laughs> he's <laughs> I think his brain works like mine. I mean, it's always changing, getting things better. But he's also got some comfort, a comprehensive, a comprehension wheel that where and it does, you know, the little sounds. It's and it's really engaging. And so when you're doing a read aloud, um, you can. It encourages the kids to actually ask the questions, um, and then be able to answer those questions. And it's like I wonder, you know, who? So I wonder who the story is about, or I wonder what, and it, you know, you can apply that to writing. You can apply that to, um, to reading, obviously. And then also to math, you know, it's all about, you know, incorporating just engaging activities that helps those higher order level thinking skills, which is really hard for our learners. Um, he also has, which I mentioned before, color writing. And, um, of course, you know, I can't just use things that are created and not modify them for my students. You know this, Amanda, right? Yes, um, I do. <laughs> but he has um, color writing and someone created color writing paper to go along with it. And basically what it is, is each part of the sentence is a different color. So you've got, um, you've got your, I did my color that my kids have always had because you know, we have kids that come year to year, you know, the same kids back for several years. So I don't, I don't want to, you know, throw something too confusing at them. So I, blue is what I've always done for um, the beginning of the sentence for capital letters and then for punctuation. And then na- adjective, I've always done purple just because purple is my favorite color. <laughs> so it's easy for me to remember. It's also one of the only colors I hadn't used. Um, red was noun, yellow place, the verb is green because, you know, action. And again, like the brainies go along with it. Like a noun is a person, a place, and then you knock on your desk for thing. Um, I came up with, this is a verb, is an action word, you know, like the, the video, you know, when they go action, I don't know if they do that anymore in movies, but that's (laughs) action. You know, and like a capital, like a, let's see, a, a sentence is a complete message. It always starts with a capital letter and it ends with punctuation, a period, an exclamation mark, yes, or question mark, huh? And I see my kids using this all the time. Um, it just, and it's helped me to think of different ways to engage my learners. Like, okay, you know, we need some more visuals. And so for phonemes and graphemes, I use my Bitmoji and they've got a picture of me holding a pencil with the letters for the graphemes so they remember when I asked for graphemes I'm looking for those letters and then for phonemes you know because I explained to them it's like phone you know when you're on the phone you just hear things unless you're you know doing a video but most of them you're calling and you <laughs> you only hear you know and so I, I'm holding a cell phone with like a little ear that has a little listening ear in it so that they can remember and I see them using that as well So it just helped me think of new ways to engage them, if that makes sense. So one of my questions for you then is, does the author of the book or books, it sounds like there are more than one, does Mm -hmm. he tell you 
Is he teaching like, do this for say this reading comprehension skill, do that for this writing skill, or is it more of an idea and then you kind of adapt and, and make it work for your kids? Or maybe it's both. Like maybe he does teach something, but then you also add your own pieces. He is very much wants us to um, make it work for our kids. He always says there's no whole brain teaching police. Um, Do it the way (laughs) you you feel is best for your students. For example, like the super approval wall. Now there's stars that go along with it. And he wants you to, to change the color of the star each time they move up. Now in our world... Now, in general education, that would work a lot easier. You know, in our world, <laughs> that That's just tough. doesn't work. So for that, I have just gold stars with their numbers on it, you know, so I can use it year to year. Um, and they just move their star up. Um, he doesn't have them move up on the super improver wall. They just, you know, change the colors to match the color of the level. So he's really... But again, visually, it probably works for them to physically move up on the wall instead of the change of color. I think so, too, because it just it helps them see, oh, I'm moving on up, you know, and that's yeah. it. And I have a golden button that goes along with that. And it's a recordable one. And I have from the Jeffersons, I'm moving, we're moving on up, you know, that's three <laughs> seconds, which I've been watching lately. Sad but true. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what, what is the super improver wall? What is the point? Is it just behavior oriented? Is it academic oriented to what allows them to move up on the wall? It starts out as, um, just following classroom rules and, you know, classroom rules also have brainies that go along with them. Follow directions quickly is the first one. There's raise your hand for permission to speak, raise your hand for permission to get out of your seat. Um, trying to think uh diamond rule keep your eyes on the target um just and uh help keep our dear uh team stronger which i changed it to family because i feel like team there's just too much competition going on and i want it to be that family in our classroom and it really does help them because as you know when they come to us usually they came to us when they are just so down on themselves and whether they've been made fun of in school or not there's so and I remember that as a child um, when math was such a struggle for me and I just felt I just felt stupid you know and it just I didn't have confidence and you know I wish I had I had one teacher who inspired me to become a teacher but mostly I didn't have teachers you know that were encouraging and so when I found the whole brain teaching I mean it has character education it has the super improver wall. I mean, it has everything you could possibly want. It's not a curriculum, it's strategies. Does that make sense? It's you can apply it to any curriculum that you're using. And it can be, I mean, I've seen videos of the creator doing it with a college level class. So it just, it really, no matter what grade level, whether you're special ed, general ed, um, whether you're, you know, pull-out teacher, just doing reading groups, not necessarily special ed, you can incorporate some, if not all of these strategies to help your learners. That really sounds wonderful. I love that because so many times we are wearing so many hats. What are we doing in this setting that's different from that setting? And if it's something that's adaptable, that's perfect. Exactly. Because we have to adapt. uh, We adapt everything that we do, don't we? (laughs) 
Yes, we do. And sometimes by the minute or by the day. (laughs) It's like, I can't look at the curriculum and go, I'm going to teach straight from this curriculum. And we use our math curriculum, Eureka Eureka Math. Don't let me get started on that. (laughs) When my, you know, our kids are, you know, they need understanding on place value. They need fact fluency. And there is a fact fluency game. I think it's called Super Speed Math. And it goes all the way up through maybe fractions I think um it's again it's partner so I can't use it yet but I have printed it off and put it in a notebook and I'm going to use it once everything (laughs) gets back to normal because everything that Chris Biffle has uh created and everything all of the super improver and things like that are free on teachers pay teachers so if if someone is looking at something and it's not free it's not whole brain teaching it's somebody trying to make money off of them uh, but everything that they, because they want teachers to have those tools in their toolbox. The books are the only thing that you uh, buy, but they're well worth it. What book for somebody who maybe is either unfamiliar or who has heard of it, but not had the chance to really dive in, what book or books would you recommend to start with? And I can link those all then in the show notes. It's Whole Brain Teaching for Challenging Kids. That's the one I started out with. And it's it's a big, long read, and it takes a while because there's a lot of information, uh, but it's definitely well worth the read. Uh, just since you have your phone looking at those, um, is there like an audio version of that? I'm just curious because that's been my way of like actually reading more like professional books Right. Because otherwise, I don't, I don't have time. Right. I don't see it on there. I just see Kindle and paperback. So. Oh, okay. I was just curious. Um. Then there's Whole Brain Teaching Color Writing, which was just came out this year. But it's that one is really thin and a really easy read. That's good to know. Yeah. Do you need to have read the Whole Brain, like kind of that starter book, to be able to do, say, color writing? If if I were saying like oh man, my kids are really struggling with writing. I want to dive in. Do I have to read the first book or could I jump in and have a clue as to what I was doing? You could jump in. And there's also like whole brain teaching Facebook pages that are great to um, be a part of. Um, There's whole brain, I think it's called whole brain teaching first and second is one that um, I belong to. If you just search, if you're on Facebook, I know not everybody is, but if you are. That's good. Maybe even to be able to say like, I am wanting to have, you know, this visual or I'm wanting to have this action for this skill. What do you guys use? Might even be nice to have something to come up with that. I was also thinking when I looked on Amazon, it was like $13 and some change. So let's say for $14. If I get one idea that can cause so much growth or, you know, even help me get that one kid, that's worth $14 to me. You know, a $14 book, a little bit of time, and to see that growth would be amazing. And chances are, if you read the whole book and you try to implement even, you know, you're going to implement more than one thing. So it's going to be such a bigger impact than that, you know, so that's worth $14 to me. It is, it's for sure, because it really helps. I mean, and I've had like, you know, the other, the other resource teacher, I love her, but she's like, 
I just think the older kids, you know, they don't need to, it's too childish. And it's like, I just want to say, no, it's not. <laughs> because you can incorporate it to meet whatever need, you know, whatever you're learning. Um, you know, general ed, it just, I wish more teachers would know about whole brain teaching. I wish I knew it when I ta- taught first grade general ed for one year, because I had so many kids that I had to refer to ALE because they were that aggressive. They were that, you know, they were keeping the rest of the kids from learning. And I feel like if I'd known whole brain teaching, maybe I could have reached at least one of them. You know, you can reach one child. If you can reach more than one child, it's totally worth it. And too, I think some of that could be your attitude. If you say, oh, it's not going to work because they're fourth and fifth grade, or, oh, it's not going to work because they're sixth graders or whatever, then you're right. It's not going to work. But that's not because the strategy or the idea is bad. That's because your attitude is bad or you're not thinking outside the box enough to say, okay, yeah, maybe that is childish, but what could I do that almost like tricks them into not even knowing that what you're doing could have been juvenile, but is actually pretty cool. Or, you know, maybe that's where some of those student interests come into. Are you going to use Paw Patrol for some of your visuals? Heck no. But what could you use that they would be engaged in to make it seem, you know, not as juvenile? And I love her. I'm not saying anything, you know, against her. She's helped me a lot. She's been a long time. But I just wish that more teachers would be open to whole brain teaching because um, I mean, we just opened up an ALE school at the primary where I feel like if we had those engaging activities all day long, no matter what the curriculum is, you can use them, that maybe we wouldn't have so many in ALE and so many on the wait list because you can only have so many in ALE. You know, yeah. I'm not saying that because I know there was a child that there was no way I could have helped. I mean, there was just, he had too many emotional issues when I taught first grade that just he needed more than what I could provide, but which is hard for me to say because I want to reach every child. Well, but there's also times where we as special ed teachers can say, this is not the right setting. Not you, but the setting is not appropriate for them. And maybe with some intervention, with something more intense, maybe they would be okay. But it is hard on us to say that. But I agree with you. There are some kids that they just need more than what you with 25 other kids or, you know, whatever your placement is, it's just hard. So I agree, but maybe some of, even if it could have made it so he could be in your gen ed room for 30 minutes with no behaviors or something like that, you know, it still would have been very helpful. But what I'm finding, and maybe this is just like the point in my career that I'm at, it's okay to like admit my first few years of teaching were awful. Like I did not know what I was doing. I didn't have the skills. I didn't have the strategies and the training, but I'm better now. And it comes from reading books like this. It comes from trying new things and going to trainings and that when you know better, you can do better. Exactly. And that's what I'm like. I, you know, I feel like, I mean, this is my fourth year as a resource teacher and um, I'm feeling more, I'm feeling more confident in my skills um, and teaching math was something that I struggled with because literacy was always, it was always easy for me. And it was also, you know, it was a fun thing for me to do. It was, it was my happy place to teach reading, but being that I teach reading, writing and math, you know, and 
knowing that, you know, whether you're a first year teacher or you're a well-seasoned teacher and knowing that, you know, you're going to evolve and the more you learn, the better you get and not, it's hard for me because I'm a perfectionist and I want to do the best. And it's like, you know, as you know, with our time constraints, teaching, reading and writing, you have, I have 60 minutes to teach reading and writing, which sounds like a lot. No, it's writing, not. <laughs> it's not. So yeah. it's like, the, you know, I feel bad because just now have I figured out how to make myself have 10 or 15 minutes of the color writing game, the color writing sheets, the color, you know, putting that into my lesson plans intentionally because I get to do in the whole, the reading. And it's like, wait a minute, we haven't done any writing. I mean, we've written, you know, we've written our phonics, you know, we've written our words, but we haven't talked about, you know, the sentence structure. And so it's just, you know, it's understanding that you're, you're a lifelong learner. And I have to remind myself of that. And I hope that anyone who's listening to this will understand that, you know, we learn as we go, just like our children. Um, it's progress over perfection. Um, that's yes, what we absolutely. Students, that's what we should expect from ourselves is progress over perfection, because we're never going to have it perfect. Um, we're never going to have all of our ducks in a row. Um, mm-hmm. There are going to be squirrels, you know, <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> Most of the time. I mean, we have so many um, as a resource teacher, as a general ed teacher, we have so many hats we wear and, you know, if we, number one, make sure that our children love coming to school, um, they go from, because a lot of our kids come, you know, and they, they don't want to come to school because they're struggling. If we make it a place where they feel comfortable and they're, they know they're happy and they're loved and they're engaged, that's the number one thing. Absolutely. And if they get their self-confidence up and we teach them those skills, that's going to come in line. And it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be rough. And every time we get a new student, it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be rough because it changes everything, you know. But it's just a matter of learning what works best in your classroom. One thing that, you know, you may, you know, hear from admin say, you know, this works best for the kids. You know what's best. I'm not saying going against your admin because um, I did that and wasn't mm-hmm. asked back. But <laughs> So my last question for you, Michelle, is just a silly one. And I've asked everybody, so I hope I hope you're brave here. Do you have an embarrassing teacher story that you would be willing to share with the world here? It's hard. It's hard, isn't it? I mean, just last week, um, I spilled coffee all over myself my <laughs> in my papers and everything. That's not really embarrassing, though. Um I've forgotten my schedule before, which is completely embarrassing. Um, It is hard, but you know what? What I've loved about all of these stories, yours included, is that's literally all of us. Like all of us forget our schedule sometimes. All of us spill our coffee or whatever it is. Like we all do those things. Or most of my stories have been about farts. So everybody does it. (laughs) Like Here's one. I walked in. My whole bus duty on, let's see if I think right, Monday, Tuesday mornings, I have breakfast duty, and then Thursday, I don't, Wednesday, and Friday, I have bus duty. I walked in Thursday, my non-duty day, 
into the cafeteria, you know, lined up. And I'm like, why are all these teachers here? Like, I don't know why these, these are not the normal teachers. I'm like, oh, it's Thursday. <laughs> I guess wishful thinking. I don't know. But we I haven't guess had so. like a full week since before Christmas because last week we had two snow days, Thursday and Friday. The week before we were out to Thursday, Friday for COVID. So, and then the first week we were back, we had professional development day. And then my fourth, my elementary kids were doing some special social emotional learning in their classrooms. So we didn't pull them. So like, I guess, you know, I don't know. I I was so tired. I completely forgot that I wasn't on duty that day. But that goes to the forgetting your schedule. I had, of course, okay. When we came back from Christmas break, we had professional, like just a teacher day. Then we had Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So, you know, like two weeks in a row. So we had two weeks of four-day weeks. And then we go right into WIDA testing for all of our EL students. So it's kind of the same thing. There, I would go to a room and say one kid's name, and I'm like, never mind. No, not you. Sit. I need you because it, it was so, we were so off. Or then sometimes because of things like that, then if I did want to like combine two groups, they'd be like, but I don't go with her, you know, thinking I'm the crazy one. It's like, I know, but I just need to see both of you or I want to see all of you. And it's just, I think the time of year and chaos is struck. So we're just messing up every day, (laughs) you know, like that is teacher life right there. Well, Michelle, I will share all of the wonderful links that you have shared and talked about in the show notes so that people can check that out and see it. And I just want to say thank you for being here today because you are always a wealth of ideas and information and thoughtful things. And so I just appreciate you for always being willing to share that. I just, I love to help others. I didn't have a great mentor teacher when I went through the master's program to be a teacher. I did have one my when I was a first grade teacher, she just took over And I just, you know, I've always been of the mindset that we should help others. Um, I'll email you my link tree and all of those resources that I've created um, as soon as I, you know, as soon as I can. And then you can add those if you'd like. And if you want me to put those, you know, on your Facebook page, on the, um, on, on the resource room Facebook page, I can do that as well. Well, thank you so much. And I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.